0: Part two of the power of our words, and um, I'm not going to do a lot of reviewing. I think when we get things edited, we'll have that up on the web uh, page. You can listen to that. But um, I did want to just reemphasize a few things, and uh, all of us bear witness with our children's class it's kinda hard for them to be cramped in the kitchen so we're trying in this little area but as you can see there is no door so that's what they did in the olden days you know their kids were in there so anyway so last work I spoke to you about the power of words and how our words are containers and the Bible says for either death or life and I shared with you that our mouths have the power to direct our lives They can direct the course in which you're going. They have the power to plant things or to uproot things. They have the power to encourage or to tear people down, don't they? The power of words can bring joy or it can bring fear. Words have the power to create, and our words are creating all the time. They create feelings, emotions, Pictures in our mind, maybe you've heard the illustration, if I say dog, you, you maybe picture your dog. If I say black dog, you picture a black dog. If I say a black dog with a red bandana, you can picture that, right? That physical dog is not in this room, but words paint a picture. And so that's an extreme important element to faith. Words paint a picture want you to remember that okay words paint a picture in our mind and they can give us direction i can say to you we live over here on west river rock and if i don't give you the address i could say just go out here turn into the parking lot go across go down uh, about seven houses down on the right there's a white house with black shutters that's our house so with those words i can give you direction you can uh track your course or whatever by that if you have Siri or any of those kinda things they'll give you words that give you information and the one thing about words is that they can produce life for us or they can produce death and if you don't like the direction your life is going right now, I suggest that you check up on the things that you've been saying. Have you been agreeing and, and speaking words of life, the things that God says over you? Or have you been agreeing with the feelings or the words or the things that are coming at you? I was talking with my daughter yesterday. She probably won't like this, but anyway. She was a little bit in tears and stuff and she was like mom i feel like such a failure and i had been studying so i just (laughs) what what i'm going to give to you today and at the end she was like wow thank you words can change right away the course that you're setting yourself on if you'll take the word of god and apply it in your life so today i want to talk to you about the power of negative words and they, how they can hurt you, how they can bind you, how they can actually destroy your life. And who is it that comes and puts pressure on our mouth? He's coming to put pressure on us to say the wrong things. He comes so that we will hook our mouth up with all the things that are coming at us. And we kind of talked about this last week a little bit if you have financial issues, he wants you to make a big deal out of your financial lack. He wants you to look at the bills as opposed to your account, and he wants you to begin declaring, I never have enough. I'm always behind. I'm not going to make it. We're going to lose our house. We're going to lose our car. So he's putting the pressure on by what you see right here or what you might be hearing, and he's hoping that you will pick up those words and begin to say them. As I shared with you last week John 10, 10 says that the enemy comes to steal kill and destroy happy little people aren't they? <laughs> um, Jesus said in Mark 4 how words are seeds right and he described the different types of ground being our hearts And based off of the word that was heard, how it was received, and the ground that it went into, it gave a description of what was going to be the type of your harvest whether you are gonna allow the enemy to because you don't put much time in the word you don't have a real um, close intimate relationship with the Lord maybe you could say you're a, a new believer and you just don't know what to do maybe your heart is like the stony ground and the word comes you come to church on Sunday morning but that's about it and when you leave you don't give any any credence to the word, you don't even think about it, in the back of your car is your Bible. And so when trials and tests come, or they, the word says, uh, the, the birds, the ravens, they see it in the rocky area, they come right down and swoop it up. Or maybe you're more like, uh, you know, I, I, I'd have to look up all the different ones, but you, you've heard of the different soils. But I believe everybody in here wants to be good ground, don't you? You want to produce. You want to have a harvest of good things. So we have to, just like a natural farmer would do, you have to go till the ground, you have to keep the weeds out, you aerate it, you fertilize it, you water it, and then you plant the seed, right? You get that seed in, and there's a certain time period for different types of seed and how they grow. And that's the way it is with the word. You sit under the Word long enough, and you wouldn't even need counseling. Not that counseling is bad, but the Word will change your life. It will redirect your life. It will show you things that you haven't seen before. Really cute dog, isn't it? (laughs) I was asking these guys how, when you're sitting there, are you watching everything behind me? We do have curtains we could put up all the way around. No, it's a beautiful place. We want to have good ground, don't we? And we can determine, you and I can determine the type of soil we're going to have. You know, as farmers are out planting their fields, they leave one field fallow for, I think it's supposed to be seven years, to let the nutrients and all that come back to it, and then they go look at this field. Now, this will be good to plant whatever in, and we're going to take care of it. We're going to get it ready. You see the farm equipment out on the road and trying to drive behind it and get around it and everything. We have to take the same care with our soil. We have to take uh, account of it, don't we? We can't just let anything come in our eyes and in our ears because eventually it's going to come out of your mouth if you don't uproot that thing. Anyway, the enemy will do everything within his power to distract us from the word. He'll try to twist it in an endeavor to steal it right out of our heart. We can't allow ourselves to get our attention off of God's word, especially in the day and hour that we're living in. All the more you need to have a relationship with God. You won't know what's a lie, what's deception, if you don't know the truth. You have to hold it up against God's word and what it says. And we saw that last week. Proverbs uh, 4.23 says that we are to guard and keep our heart For out of our heart come the very issues of our life. The Amplified says, out of it flow the springs of life. The word likens our heart to a well and spring up a well within my heart. Well, what's coming out of there? What do you have coming out of your heart? The devil knows if he can get our attention and our focus off of the word and onto the problem, that eventually he will get in our mouth. And then we give him a license to work his destruction in our lives. And in all reality, like I said before, he'll use our own mouth to bring forth destruction, to bring forth sickness, death, problems in our life. Because he wants to come for the words that we're going to speak. One of the greatest tools in this area is strife. Strife is a work of the enemy. And the Bible says that where there there is strife, there is every evil work. Words will fuel strife. Kind of like that tennis match. You say something nasty to me, I'm going to come back with something at you. And it goes back and forth. Or likening it to a fire. If you put fuel on a fire, it's going to burn, right? You go get kindling and wood and you keep building it bigger and bigger. The purpose is to stop the anointing on your life. Where there's strife, where there's division, you can't flow in the gifts of the Spirit. You can't walk under the anointing if you're going to allow strife to be in your life. And that's the things the enemy endeavors to do. He wants to get us over into these areas to stop us from being powerful. In the call of God on our life, as an individual, in the body of Christ, you have a purpose and your purpose is to share the good news with other people. But if your life is in a mess, how are you going to be effective in that area? What happens is that God doesn't stop loving us when we're in strife and disobedience and discord, but we've stepped out from under that protective umbrella of the love of God. And Brother Hagin used to say, every step out of love is a step into sin. And so we have to, again, these are the issues of our heart that we guard, our love walk, our, our how we value and view others in the body of Christ. Did you know we're supposed to esteem others? I'm supposed to look at you and not tear you down. I'm supposed to look at you and say, you've got something valuable that this body needs that I need. And that's how we should treat each other, in the love of God. Galatians 5.20 says that strife is a work of the flesh, and where there is strife again, there is every evil work. Words of griping and complaining, whining, will keep you going around that mountain, keep you trapped, in your own circumstances. You might, you know, in the evening go before the Lord and, Lord, help me, help me, help me get out of this thing. But then during the daytime when you see things and you hear things or you're, you know, confronted with things, then your mouth is just going the opposite. And the Bible says you can't have fresh water and salt water coming out of the same well. Right? We've got to watch our words. Because you negate the good things that you said. God, I commit it to you. I lay it at your feet. I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to worry about it. And then you pick it right back up and, oh, what are we going to do? We're going to fail. We're not going over. We're going under, right? So you've negated what you just prayed. You've just picked it right back up. Psalms 103, 1 through 5 states, and this is me paraphrasing it, His words in my mouth will meet every necessity. Fulfill every desire at my age and personal situation. Did you know he's a very personal God? He's not a God way off there like we picture him with a long beard, kind of like Gandalf from the Lord of the Rings. (laughs) I know it was something like that. Um, That is untouchable. He's a personal God. And he wants to be personal to you. His words in my mouth will renew my strength, cause me to be youthful. Sarah's secret cream. Remember, she was in her eighties or whatever when uh, David said, or that who was it? Not David. Abraham said, "She's my sister," and the king wanted her. She had something going on. I say the word of God is the best youth or age-defying thing you could have. It makes me strong and overcoming and soaring above all the attacks of the enemy, just like a mighty eagle. Isaiah 40, uh, 31 says, But those who wait for the Lord, who expect and look for and hope in him, shall change and renew their strength and power. They shall lift their wings and mount up close to God like eagles mount up to the sun. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint or become tired. You know, we think about waiting as maybe us just sitting there prim and proper with our hands folded. We're waiting on you, God, to move. God, why don't you move? But part of waiting is us worshiping him just like we did this morning, just spending time in his presence. Part of waiting is us taking the word and putting it in our mouth and speaking it back to him. He says, put me in remembrance of what I've said to you. Part of waiting is taking the word of God and using it as a daily confession in our life that counteracts, yeah, I know you're there, I hear what you're saying. I see the problem, but this is what I believe. And so we turn over here and we begin to speak that powerful word of God that gets us in a position where we're sensitive to hear. We pray in the spirit. We lift our heart. We sing. We worship. That's all part of waiting. And then we enter into that place of rest a place where God can move in our situation. We're not worrying, we're not fretting, we're not doubting. If you don't use the word in your life you're going to have a lot of doubt and unbelief. You're going to have things that are constantly pulling and dragging on you. Have you ever seen the picture of the mom and she's got three or four kids that are dragging behind, you can never get away, they're always there. Not that you don't love them. But problems try to attach themselves to you. You might not be able to see them in the natural realm, but they're trying to attach themselves to you. And how are we going to keep them at bay? We have to use the word of God. Again, I, it's a f- familiar scripture, but Proverbs eighteen twenty one: death and life are in the power of our tongue. We have within our own mouth the power to bring victory or defeat. This is why we have to be so aware of what we're saying. And again, this is a process of learning to shut your mouth. Uh, you, You can't just continue to talk and to say the foolish things that we say just because maybe that's what your family grew up saying, all kinds of things that you don't think have any meaning whatsoever, but they're full of power, and they're creating the world that you live in. And it's, it takes us being aware to, to Father, check me, Holy Spirit, put a guard over my mouth. Don't let me say those things. And again, like we said, if you say it, ask the Holy Spirit to uproot that thing right away. Just letting your mouth run is dangerous. I'm sorry, that's very, very bottom line. It's dangerous just to say what you think off the top of your head, <laughs> right? I'm going to read from you or to you from James, the third chapter. And again, sorry we don't have the overhead, but I kind of like it. I like my Bible. Um, that's probably going to be recorded. So. Third chapter of James, uh, starting in verse 2, and bear with me, it says, For we all often stumble and fall and offend in many things. And if anyone does not offend in speech, I'm reading this out of the Amplified, never says a wrong thing, he is a fully developed character and a perfect man, able to control his whole body and to curb His entire nature. Isn't that powerful? That if you are yielding your tongue to the word of God and the things of God, that you're able to control your whole body. Is your body out of control? Do you do things you don't want to do? Do you have habits and and things that are, like I said, clinging on you? You can change that by what's in your mouth. You can change those things. It goes on to say, "'We put bits in horses' mouths to make them obey us. "'We can turn their whole bodies about. "'Likewise, look at the ships. "'Though they are so great and driven by rough winds, "'they are steered by a very small rudder, "'wherever the impulse of the helmsman determines. "'Even so, the tongue is a little member. "'It can boast of great things.' See how much wood or how great a forest, a tiny spark can set ablaze. And the tongue is a fire. The tongue is a world of wickedness set among our members, contaminating and depraving the whole body and setting on fire the wheel of birth. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and sea animal can be tamed and has been tamed by human genius. But the human tongue can be tamed by no man. If a, a restless, undis, It is a restless, undisciplined, irreconcilable evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless the Lord and Father and with it we curse men who God made in his likeness. Out of the same mouth come forth blessing and cursing. These things, my brethren, ought not to be. These things ought not to be. And how are we going to tame our tongue? How are we going to change the things that come out of our mouth? The only way that we're going to do it is through the word of God. We've got to put his word in our mouth. I don't know how many of you are familiar with Charles Capps. He's since gone on to be with the Lord. But he has this little book. It's a compilation of a couple little books put into one. God's Creative Power, excellent for words and has confessions in there. One of the things he says is God's word is creative power. That creative power is produced by the heart, your spirit, man, formed by the tongue, and it comes out of your mouth. Do you see that process? We put the, the word in our eyes and in our ears, and it forms faith in our heart. And then up out of our heart, we speak those words of faith that have an effect on our circumstances. But it's very key that it comes out of your mouth. You can't just think it. You have to speak it. Remember last week I told you that this, the word was spoken so it could be written, and it was written for you and I to speak. Um, Brother Copeland, again, he has a story of the power of words. In the negative sense, his great-grandfather uh, was like 12 years old or something during the Civil War, and the Union Army came to their farm, and he had older brothers that were fighting for the, the south, and so they wanted to know where they were. And they took this young boy at 12 years old, and they hung him up by his thumbs, and they kept pulling and pulling and stretching him. And instead of him releasing where his brothers were, he cussed. He cussed them every single word he could probably think of and then made up some on top. Well, that got on the inside of him, and it passed down to his grandson, and then it passed down to Kenneth Copeland. And he said he loved his grandpa, and he would follow him, and his grandpa would be cussing up a storm. And so here's this little fellow that would pick up, and he cussed up a storm. And when he and Gloria met, they were somewhere, went to an event or something, and his mouth hadn't been transformed by the word of God yet. And when they got home, she said, I'm not going with you in public ever again. And he was like, why? And she said, because of your mouth. And he said, what in the hell did I say? (laughs) You know, (laughs) so he didn't realize how much that had gotten on the inside of him. And sometimes we have family things that get on the inside of us, whether it's sickness, disease, poverty, lack, whatever it is, it's come down through the generations. But did you know you can break that stuff off of you and your next generation? We're not going to have high blood pressure and heart disease and and diabetes and cancer and all these things. We take authority. We're not having it in Jesus' name. We're not having Alzheimer's and dementia and senility. We're not going to sit in a home somewhere at 60, 70, 80 years old that you just wander in the hallway because your mind is gone. You have the mind of Christ as a believer. You hold to his thoughts, the intents of his heart, his purposes. You keep your mind. He said he gives you a sound mind, one that's not full of fear. Those are the things you keep coming out of your mouth. You don't have senior moments. You don't have brain farts. Pardon me. Casey, where are you? Take that off of there. No. (laughs) No. This is how real we have to be with these things. Do you see how what you hear just in the normal day you begin to pick up on in your workplace or whatever? And you'll side in. You'll begin to get it coming out of your mouth. And the demons are waiting for that. Yeah, now we have release to make that come to pass. Now they said it out of their mouth. So we have permission. You give permission with your mouth who you're going to serve. So we have to take authority in the name of Jesus. I want to share with you a story um, from 1 Samuel 17. We all know the story of David and Goliath. And I'm, not, I'm going to read some, but I'm going to try to just get across what I want to say to you. You know, the devil is always talking in the natural. The situation here in chapter 17 was an impossible situation. The the army of Israel are on one side of the mountain, and the army of the Philistines are on the other side. And in the valley is between them. And for 40 days, morning and night, Goliath came out and taunted the children of Israel. He taunted them with what? His words, right? He's yelling across and mocking them and telling them they're going down and they've had it and they're toast. Modern language, you know. But he is, he is taunting them with words. He's out to get them into fear. How long of the words you've been taunted with and mocked with in your life, the things the devil says will never change The things that he says will always be there. The sickness, the lack, whatever it is, the destruction. How long has he been taunting you? It's time for us as believers to put an end to these things. To recognize the value and the power of our words. Oh, Goliath was a fierce giant. The Bible says in the Amplified that he was uh, close to 10 feet tall. In the first scriptures there, it gives a description of all of his weaponry. He was a mighty man of war. It says he was a man of war from his youth. He had killed lots of men. And he was their champion. He was the one they put on the front line because he could strike fear into the heart of the enemy. So they put him out front. But you know what? The army of Israel had been champions also under the hand of God. They have won, had won battle after battle. They had, if you read the description, mighty men of valor. Saul himself, King Saul, took the jawbone of an ass and slayed, I don't, I recall the amount, but it was over a thousand men by himself. I mean, we just kind of let these things pass by us. Mentally, take your mind and think about this. One man killing thousands or, you know, hundreds of men in battle. What happened to the children of Israel? Why did they let go? What was going on? For 40 days, morning and night, the problem spoke to them. And you can read in verse 11, it says, When Saul and all Israel heard those words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Over in verse 24, it says, um, And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man... Fled from him, terrified. The problem's speaking loud in your lives. Fear is trying to get in your heart. Doubt. Allowing unbelief to strip the word out of your heart. He spoke to them for 40 days and 40 nights, and those negative words got in the, on the inside of them. They forgot the covenant they had with Almighty God. They forgot and didn't rehearse the battles they had won. They allowed the problem, the situation, the fear to come, and it robbed them of their victory. In Samuel, uh, let me just get back on track here. Instead of them recalling the victories, They let the enemy come in, and he had already defeated them with words. I had got up to go do something when I was studying, and that very point there uh, just rose up in my heart. The Lord said to me, if David had not come, the army of Israel would have been defeated by the Philistines. I had never thought of that before, that he sent someone who had the word of God full of power under the anointing to save the army of Israel. Because they were already running in defeat. They had already been out there all these days listening to that. If they were going to win the victory, they would have already won it. But he had to send someone who would not back down from what the enemy was trying to do. I was like, I've never heard that, Lord. What one person can do with the word in their mouth, what you can do in your family with the word in your mouth, what you can do in your situation with the word in your mouth, you can turn it around, hallelujah. You know, the weapons that Goliath carried were deadly and sharp. Uh, They were meant to uh, strike a death blow, and you can read the description of those. Goliath began to taunt David, the same deadly words that he used on the Israelite army. But what was the difference there? David didn't allow what he heard to get on the inside of him. He didn't let those words penetrate his heart. He knew the power of his covenant-keeping God. 1 Samuel 17, 34 through 37 says, he's before King Saul, and he says, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him, and smote him, and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by the beard, and smote him, and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, The Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said unto him, Go, the Lord be with you. David recalled to King Saul all the things that God had done for him. Remember, he's just out there watching sheep all by himself, just a young shepherd boy. Yet God delivered him out of the hand of the bear and the lion. God will deliver you too out of whatever situation you're facing. But you've got to recall the goodness of God and you've got to get the word in your mouth. David may have walked out onto that battlefield with a sling and a small stone, but he was really walking out under the anointing and the boldness of God. He didn't wait for Goliath to come to him, he ran at his enemy with the words in his mouth. And this is what he declared in verse 45 through 51. He said, Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the ranks of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will smite you and cut off your head. And I will give you the corpses of the army of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth. And all the Earth may know that there is a God in Israel I'm going to stop right there. Could, don't you think that one of those mighty men of valor could have done the same thing? They had seen the faithfulness of God. They had been in battle before. They were men of battle. They could have stood up. but no, here comes a young they figure he was about 17 years old a shepherd boy. It shows you anybody can do it. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be an evangelist or a teacher or a preacher. You can be you, right where you are, and God will use you with his words in your mouth. Hallelujah. It says, And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saves, not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. When the Philistine came forward to meet David, he ran quickly towards the battle line to meet the Philistine. David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and slung it, and it struck the Philistine, sinking into his forehead, and he fell on his face on the earth. David prevailed over the Philistine with words. He didn't go into battle with all the armor that Saul had for him. He didn't go into battle with a javelin or a spear or something that he could throw from a long distance. He went armed with faith in his God, that God would deliver him. God's always speaking words of power and faith through his written word. If we'll put it in our mouth, we can change our circumstances. David stood in defiance to Goliath. All of the fierce weaponry didn't mean anything to him. In, faith, in the faith of, such faith, not faith of such overwhelming odds, he took the word of God, the name of Jesus, who his God was, and he defeated the enemy he hadn't even let the stone go before the battle was already won. You have the name, you have the blood, you have the word, you have the armor of God you can put on every day. And, and we should do it, and I know I, I emphasize this a lot whenever I get a chance to minister. Because the armor God gave us to stand against the wiles of the enemy, against the attacks of the enemy... You can't see it in the natural, but he can see it in the spirit realm. And you are mighty in God. You don't have to be defeated. Hallelujah. Goliath had held the whole Israelite army captive for 40 days, but the name of the Lord was more powerful than any physical weapon Goliath had. Before he launched that stone, Goliath was a done deal, wasn't he? Goliath may have been taunting and mocking, but David didn't keep silent. And you can't keep silent either. No matter what the enemy is saying to you, you must open your mouth and fill it with the word of God. David spoke to the enemy. And again, you can't think it. You can't just wish it. You can't hope things are going to change. You have got to speak to your situation. He declared the victory before it happened. This truly was a battle of words. The moment Goliath spoke, the mocking and the taunting that brought fear and destruction, David counteracted, didn't he, with words of victory and overcoming power. And you saw the result, that he won the battle against a mighty army. When you and I counteract, you can't just, like... Words come and bombard your mind and you just can't, you'll find yourself mulling them over and kind of thinking about them and what ifs and this and that. You can't do that. You've got to stop it right then and say, no, I don't receive that. No, this is the truth. This is what I say and I won't have anything less. The power is all in our mouth. Never let the devil have the last word in any situation in your life. And again, I highly recommend this book. It's The Bloodline of a Champion um, by Mark Hankins. But this is something that I do over you. I have all my family's names written in here, uh, church family, president, vice president, or whatever. But I just want you to hear words that declare something that will get you pumped up, as Arnold used to say. (laughs) Arnold Schwarzenegger, for those of you who are too young. Anyway, I declare in the morning time, I plead the blood of Jesus over my family, over my mind, over my thoughts, over my past, over my future, and over my conscience. I'll not be guilty, I'll not be condemned, I'll not be accused. Devil, you're not having my children, and then I list them all off. And I even say, you're not having my future daughter-in-laws, my son-in-law, and my future heritage of grandchildren. (laughs) The devil can't have your posterity. You declare that over them now, they'll be whole, healthy, without issues in their life. You're not having my marriage. You're not having my body. You're not having my health, my finances, my church. You're not having my future and that which you have planned for me. Devil, I put you on notice. I don't belong to you. My church doesn't belong to you. My children don't belong to you. You're making a declaration of war. And if you don't do it, No one else will. You're not having my family that doesn't know you right now. I thank you, Father, that you're working in this background to bring them to you. You're presenting every opportunity for them to know you. And then I go through and make, the book is awesome because it has confessions of faith. I say, with the word of God in my mouth, things are coming down. Thoughts, imaginations, and reasonings are coming down. Identities are being changed by the power of the word of God. My identity in you, Lord, you're showing and revealing more and more of who I am in you. Not the old me. Not what I used to be. Not even if it, I messed up yesterday, my identity is in Christ We're taking the hyssop branch of faith and applying the blood of Jesus over our lives. The destroyer cannot come in because of the blood of Jesus. Our families are saved because of the blood. Our souls are restored because of the blood. As we lift up our voice in faith, speaking the word and declaring our covenant, the enemy doesn't stand a chance. We win by the blood. But that's taking the word of God and putting it in your mouth as a mighty weapon, as a sword, a two-edged sword against your enemy who's trying to get in your mouth and get you to say the opposite of what is truth. We don't have an excuse, people. There is too much out there for you to be able to take the word of God and make declarations and confessions over the areas in your life where the enemy keeps hitting and hitting and hitting. And he wants you to cave and to give in. I'm telling you by the spirit of God, the word of God is being presented to you in a way that you don't have to cave. He will get the upper hand if you give it to him. But he has no power that we don't give him. Your marriage, your children, your finances, your health can all change if we put the word of God in our mouth and put the enemy on the run. We don't give him the last word. Oh, that's just the way it is. guess that's the way it's going to be. No! It's time to rise up as the body of Christ and put our mouth to work. In the direction you want to see your life go. If you like where you're at, then keep doing what you're doing. If you don't like it, change it. It does not have to stay the same. Jesus said, I have told my people that they can have what they say. Mark eleven twenty three and 24. And they are saying what they have. This is a very simple truth. But as long as you say what you have, you'll have what you say. And then again, you say what you have, and you repeat the process, and you end up having what you say. You and I can have what we say if we release words of faith from our heart out into the atmosphere. Faith talks. It talks back to the enemy. And when it talks, it talks faith. It doesn't talk fear and doubt, unbelief. It doesn't talk the problem. This account here is of what took place between David and Goliath, and it's not a fairy tale. The Bible tells us that these things were put in the Bible for examples for you and I. These are living truths that will absolutely revolutionize our life and change our circumstances. I'm not there yet by any means, but this is my heart's desire, is to not be the same year after year, to not just live with the things the enemy says will always be there, but to rise up. You and I have been given everything we need to be successful. But what do we do? Do we leave it on the coffee table or, like I said, in the back of our car or who knows where it is? I'm all for electronics and things like that. But there's nothing that replaces the written word of God. There's nothing that replaces you being able to take this and look at it and put your eyes on it and speak it and let it come out of your heart. Let it build up faith on the inside of you. There's nothing that replaces it, but everything in the world is trying to do that in your life. Television, games, relationships, things, they're all okay in the right perspective. Do we give this the same amount of attention and time that we give everything else? And then you wonder, why is your life the way it is? Why aren't things going the way you're believing for? How much attention? Attend to my words, for they are life, they are health, they are healing to all of our flesh. Your physical body, your emotional well-being, your circumstances will be changed by the power of the word of God when we put it in our hearts and let it come out of our mouths. We live under a better covenant than David did. He wasn't even born again. We have it all. You remember that old song, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. He paid it all so you and I can walk in victory in this life. We don't need any of this when we get over into the sweet by and by. And a lot of people relegate and delegate it to over there. Boy, when I get over there, yippee coyote. He wants you to walk that way now in victory and overcoming power. Yippee coyote. <laughs> I see you too. <laughs> we have to be serious about our walk with God. We live in serious times. And if you don't think your words matter, again, the example of Judge Kavanaugh should be glaring in front of you. Words were a destructive force in his life, his family, his children, his reputation. His, his professorship at, uh, was it Harvard or wherever he was? Words matter, and words can destroy or they can overcome. It's all up to us. Don't let your words just be floating out there in space. I say whatever I want whenever it comes to me. Take the word of God. Get it in your heart. Believe that the Lord helps you to recognize the moment you say something you don't believe, get it out. I plead the blood over that. I will not say that. I don't agree with that. That's not what I choose. And then begin to declare what you choose. Amen? Well, I love you guys. Let's just pray. Father, again, we come into your presence. We thank you that you're here with us. We thank you that you have given us everything we need to be successful in life. I thank you, Lord, that the power of the